Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. You know, I'm really looking forward to continue this journey through the New Testament Gospel of John. We're going to jump into John chapter 1, starting at verse 19 today. And as Spencer already said, there's an issue that's going to emerge. And I would suggest to you that it's an issue that every single person you know, including you, (laughs) struggles with. In fact, I would go as far as to say this. If you ever talk to somebody who tells you that they do not struggle with it, it's a sign that they really, really do. John chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Now this was John's testimony. Now remember, this is not John the disciple, the author of this gospel. This is John the Baptist. He's a cousin to Jesus. He was selected by God to step into history to prepare the way for Jesus, to announce the arrival of Jesus. So this is John the Baptist, okay? Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. So John the Baptist is causing quite the stir in Israel, so much so that the religious powers that be in Jerusalem decide to send an entourage out to the Jordan River to figure out who this John the Baptist guy is and what he's up to. Now before we get into the conversation that John the Baptist has with his entourage, I want to stop for just a second because as we continue this journey through the Gospel of John, you're going to find that there's a group that almost always find themselves in opposition to Jesus. Again and again and again and again. And and to put it in a general sense, I would say they are religious Jewish men. To get more specific, I would say teachers of the law, religion scholars, Levites, priests, and the one group that comes up over and over and over again and is mentioned over and over and over again are the Pharisees. They're like the black hats in the, uh, in the Gospels, you know, the bad guys. But it's important to note that they didn't wake up one day and say, hey, let's start a group. And what we hope for with this group is that we can kind of go down in history as a group of people that stood in opposition to Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah of the world. That's not who the Pharisees were. In fact, the Pharisees got together for a really good motive. The Pharisees were a group of guys that got together and said, I feel like our nation is drifting away from God. Let's like call our nation back. That's pretty good. You know, God says in his word, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That if you search for me with all your heart, God says, you'll find me. That's a really good motivation to start a group. But here's what happened with the Pharisees. They got religious. They got religious. Now, some of you might be looking at me right now going, well, I've been coming to Southside for about a month. First time I've ever gone to church. I'm religious, aren't I? I sure hope not. I sure hope not. I sure hope that what Southside inspires in you and me is not religiosity. Here's what religion is. Religion is this. I believe in God. I believe in God, so I'm going to just live my life to earn his acceptance, his approval, and his love. That's religion. I believe in God, so now what I need to do is I need to live a life worthy of his acceptance, his approval, and his love. That's religion. See, I don't think God calls you or calls me to religion. I believe he calls us instead into a relationship that we would not just believe in God, but know him. I've been talking about that a lot in this series, right? That we would get to know him or know him a bit better. And when we know him, we're just 
kind of doing life with him. And he walks with us. And we would take his unconditional love, the love that he gave us that we could never have earned, that we did not have to earn, that he gave to us as a free gift. And we would walk with it. And will our lives change a little bit? Yeah, probably. Probably, but not to earn his love. But, but inspired by his love. <laughs> you know? Like as I'm walking with Jesus and I see his kindness and his generosity and his courage and his strength and his love, it would inspire me and empower me to be more like him. I don't change to earn his love, I change because of it. Make sense? Okay. So here's the Pharisees. Hey, let's get closer to God. But then they got religious. And that's a bad thing. How in the world did that happen? It happened because of the issue that is gonna serve as our centerpiece today. The issue that you struggle with and I struggle with too. Here it is, insecurity. It's just that simple. Insecurity is when you have a flimsy foundation in your life. When I talk about foundation, I'm talking about your sense of self, your sense of worth, your sense of value, your sense of identity. They had a flimsy foundation. They were insecure. They were insecure. And when you are insecure, there is a tendency inside of you to quantify and compare, to quantify and compare, to quantify. When I have a flimsy sense of self, when I have a flimsy sense of worth, when I have a flimsy sense of identity, there is a temptation, there is a pull for me to quantify and compare, to come up with a list of rules and check marks that I can look at you and go, well, you're a wingnut. At least I'm better than you. Because I'm insecure. Oh, did the Pharisees quantify? They had over 600 rules. Over 600 rules that people had to obey. Some of them were weird too. Like that, they had this one that said, you can't spit on the Sabbath. You can't spit on the Sabbath because uh, it's work. Because you're making mud. I'm not making that. That's actually a rule. And so they came up with all these rules because they were insecure. They were insecure. They had this flimsy sense of self, this flimsy sense of value, this flimsy sense of identity. So they came up with this ability to quantify all this list of rules so they, they could look at you and say, I'm a better rule keeper than you. Maybe I am okay after all. That's what happened to the Pharisees. Can you imagine how powerful they would have become though? So the group of people, insecurity allowed them to become religious caused them to become religious, and then they brought their religious message to an insecure people. And so now they could say to them, hey, God might love you. God might save you. God might help you if and only if, if and only if you do what we tell you to do. You say what we tell you to say. So now John the Baptist, he's causing quite a stir in Israel and the Pharisees are real powerful. And so they're like, let's send an entourage out there just to check this guy out. Maybe discredit him. Just put him back in his place. So the first question they ask him is, hey, are you the Messiah? Because if he says yes, well, then they can trap him. Verse 20. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I'm not the Messiah. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elisha? No. Are you the prophet? Nope. Are you the Messiah? You know, the Savior, the one that's come to save us all? No. Are you Elijah, the famous Old Testament prophet? Nope. Well, are you the prophet? Mentioned in Deuteronomy. Like, 
the, the, the Jews weren't exactly sure who the prophet was, but he was gonna be like either the Messiah or like the right-hand man, just about as powerful as the Messiah himself. Are you the prophet, John the Baptist? No. It's funny, as I was preparing for this talk, every commentary I read, every sermon I listened to, at this point said the same thing. Man, isn't John the Baptist humble? Isn't he humble? So I wrote a whole sermon on that. John the Baptist is humble, but it didn't sit right with me. It didn't. Because sure, he's humble. He's humble, okay? But it's more than that to me. Humility doesn't tell the full story. So then you know what I did? I wrote another sermon based on the fact that, no, I think a better way to describe him would be confident. He's confident. But that didn't sit right either. And then it hit me. I know what he is. He's secure. He's secure. He has a firm foundation. He has a firm foundation on his identity, his worth, his value, his sense of self. Jesus said, whoever wants to become greatest in the kingdom of heaven, whoever wants to become greatest in the kingdom of heaven, whoever wants to become greatest in the kingdom of heaven, just become like a child. Now, Jesus didn't say become childish, okay? So you don't go to the cereal aisle and have a temper tantrum because your wife won't let you buy cinnamon toast crunch. I'm not talking about that. Or whack people over the head, take the fruit roll up and yell mine. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, be thank you so much. He's talking about becoming like a child. Like a child. Years ago, my wife Corinne and I um, led two missions trips down to Haiti. And, and we worked, one of the places we worked was an orphanage called Haiti Children's Home. And at Haiti Children's Home, there was this little girl named Amanda. What an amazing kid. And she would announce her entrance into every room. Every time she walked into a room, this is what she would say. Here is me. Here is me. And I couldn't get enough of it. I would follow her around to watch her walk into other rooms. Because every single time she would say, here is me. That's it. That's it. Are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. But John the Baptist looks at them and says, but here is me. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. You know who I am? I'm John the flippin' Baptist. That's who I am. Here is me. That's security. A firm foundation. I know who I am. I know my value. I know my worth. I know my identity. I know my sense of self. Here is me. That's God's plan for your life. That you would come to a place in your life where you could say honestly, you could believe this because it's true. I was created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose by a God who does not make mistakes. Man, if we could just start there. You know, like God inspired John the disciple to write this gospel. And it's not just a history book, right? So we don't just look at John the Baptist and go, well, I get it. Obviously, he had a purpose, right? Like, I mean, he's the one that's going to announce the arrival of Jesus into human history. That's a big deal. So are you. So are you. So are 
you. God has a purpose. I'm as confident saying that John the Baptist had a specific purpose on this planet as I am saying that you have, God placed you on this planet with purpose. There's a reason for you. He thought you up. It's a big deal. There's a sense of security that comes with that, that I was created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, by a God who does not make mistakes. I'm his child, he's my father, so I'm good to go. I can live my life, I can pursue my purpose, I can chase my dreams, I can face my challenges, I can overcome my obstacles. Knowing this, that I have nothing to prove to anybody. I'm secure in this knowledge. I live my life for an audience of one. That's it. That's security. Who are you, man? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? No, man. Here's me. Here's me. And that's enough. That's security. Insecurity is at the root of so much religiosity, comparison, quantification. I'm pretty sure that's not a word, but I just said it. Quantification. Maybe it is. I feel pretty smart now. Okay, so insecurity is at the heart of so much. Eating disorders, jealousy, marital unfaithfulness, anxiety, depression, dissatisfaction, compulsion, addiction. Oh no, it's a big deal. We all struggle with it. It's this flimsy foundation. What is my identity? What is my value? What is my worth? Who am I? Insecurity causes pretension. Pretension is when you don't do what you really want to do, what you're gifted to do, what you enjoy doing. You start to live your life to impress other people. What a nightmare. So you, don't, you don't choose your career you, 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 you're not attracted to stuff that brings you joy. You're attracted to stuff that you think other people will think makes you look good. What a nightmare. I heard someone say years ago, the world is full of people that are spending money they don't have to buy stuff they don't need to impress people they don't even like. <laughs> Insecurity causes hiding too, kind of on the other end of the spectrum. There's so many people, there's so many great, gifted, incredible women and men who could be great leaders, but they don't do what they're hiding. You wanna know why? Because in our culture right now, it's scary to lead. It's scary. You see a group of people, and you're like, man, we need to go from here to here, and I know that I could help. Someone's gotta do something, it might as well be me. No, I can't. Why? Because anytime you step up to lead, what happens? Criticism, critique, canceled. And so insecurity has all these great leaders that the world desperately needs and they're holding back. John the Baptist had this swagger when he walked into human history. He wasn't trying to be anybody else. Here is me. And that's okay. If he was pretentious when they came up to him and said, hey, are you the Messiah? No. You Elijah? No. Are you like the prophet? Well, uh, I don't know for sure if I'm the prophet, but I mean, you've seen the crowds, right? <laughs> like, I'm kind of a big deal here in Israel, right? Didn't do that. 
if John the Baptist would have allowed insecurity to make him hide, he might have he, he, he turned tail and run. Man, I don't need this. I don't need this entourage of religious people coming to question me. I don't need the crowds. I'm going back to my cave and living on locusts and wild honey, which, by the way, is what John the Baptist ate, locusts and wild honey, which is super cool, kind of gross, but, 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 but pretty cool. Firm foundation. I know my identity. I know my worth. I know my value. Here's me. The story continues. Finally, they said, well, then who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not yet know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So insecurity causes a lot. It causes comparison, addiction, compulsion, so many things, religiosity. You know, what else, you know what else insecurity causes in our culture today and back in the time of John the Baptist? Conformity. Conformity. Conformity says, if you're not for us completely and totally, you're against us. You're not one of us. The Pharisees came to John the Baptist and said, hey, 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 who do you think you are? Are you with us? Or are you one of them? Conformity always causes division because conformity always breaks the world up between us and them, us and them. Conformity always causes division. I don't need to remind you of that. That's our world today. The world is kind of split into like political camps, right? There's people who say, well, I'm politically right-wing. Oh, okay, well, well, I believe in the sanctity of life. And the right-wing people go, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And I also got vaccinated. Wait, what? You what? Come on, man. You want to be a part of our team? You need to conform. You need to be like us because there's only us and then there's them. There's us and then there's them and there's us and then there's them. And we oppose. We don't, we, we, we don't even think about them. They're not barely even human to us. There's us and then there's them. There's this division. Or we have the politically left-wing people who say something like this. Man, I believe in the equality for women. And we go, yeah, 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 yeah. You can be on our team. And I also believe that the family is the building block of a great society and the left wing go, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't get the memo, right? You need to believe everything that we believe the way that we believe it. Insecurity says there's us and there's them. I find, I, I find solace, I find identity in, in us versus them. That was never John the Baptist. The Pharisee showed up and he said, is it us and them? Here is me. John the Baptist said, you know what? We're going to do something different. We're going to pursue truth, truth, truth. Conformity brings division. Truth is love. Truth is love. John the Baptist went around. You know what he did? John the Baptist. What do you think he did a lot of? He did a lot of John the Baptist. What did he do a lot of? He did a lot of baptizing. That's exactly right. Good job. You didn't say that, but let's pretend you did. Okay. <laughs> 
You know there was baptism before John the Baptist? It's really, really interesting, actually. Before John the Baptist showed up, Jewish people baptized people all the time. You know why? They baptized you. Listen, if you were a non-Jew by nationality, but you wanted to convert to the Jewish religion, they would baptize you. So you're a Gentile. So we're gonna like baptize you, right? Like we need to wash you off, man. Like you can't, you're not like one of us. You're not a Jew and you wanna, okay. And then just like sprinkle them around there, get them all nice and clean. And then maybe you can join the us team. John the Baptist showed up and said, no, we're gonna do it a little different. Here's the truth, here's the truth, here's the truth. We all need help, every single one of us. Including religious Jewish men. What a message. Pharisees were probably real happy with that one, right? No, not at all. But, but he said basically, here's, this, here's the truth. We all know it. We all know it. We're all living on these flimsy foundations and all the real rule keeping in the world can't give us a firm sense of self and identity and worth and value. So he sets up shop at the Jordan River and says, hey, come on, man. If you need more than this world, more than these rules are offering you, come get baptized. And, and, and everybody came. But you know, droves of religious Jewish men showed up. Isn't that cool? That's truth. It's not us and them. It's truth and love, truth and love, truth and love. Are you us or are you them, John the Baptist? Here is me. I'm for truth, I'm for love. A little bit like our church, you know? I've said before, the most visible roles around here aren't, aren't always the most valuable, you know? The most visible roles aren't always the most valuable. I'm pretty visible. There's a light blinding my eyes as I speak right now to you. I'm pretty visible. And honestly, I could stand up here right now and I could say to you, oh, and I'm not valuable at all. No, I'm kind of important. I'm kind of important to, the, to, to Southside Church. But do you understand how many important people are here today? You know that there's people over in the nursery right now looking after our babies. And there is a lot of babies at Southside Church right now. We are doing something right around here, I'll tell you that. I'm not going to start talking about the birds and the bees, but I'm just saying there's a lot of babies around here, which is awesome. And that's so important. Isn't that incredible? That there's, in Southside Kids right now, there's somebody leading a grade three girls small group. Does it get any more important than that? There's a grade five boys small group happening over there at Southside Kids right now. That's tough, man. Like that is, whoa. Okay, but it's happening and that's so important. We won't even know on this side of eternity just how important it is. Amazing. There's a parking team, right? And they just show up every week saying this. I mean, I, I wonder if we could make people feel just a little bit welcome. Just a little bit important because maybe no one's made them feel that way all week long. There's a hospitality team. And they just want to have, have this ability to say, man, if you're new or newish, welcome home. Welcome home. So many teams, so important. Our safety team. I always want to call it a security team. That's what the security team, the safety, the security team is for. It's for uh, if you mess with our women or our kids, we beat you up. That's what the safety team is. That's important. 
And if you don't turn your ringer off on your cell phone and your phone goes off, they come and take it and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> I'm just pretty much kidding about that. Okay, but, what, but if you have this, what if, what if we all had this attitude what, that said this, here's me. I was created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose by a God who does not make mistakes. And I'll tell you this, I can pursue my purpose and chase my dreams with nothing to prove to anybody. And I live my life for an audience of one. Here is me. That's security. That's John the Baptist. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm going to talk a lot more about that title next week. But for this week, let me just leave it at this. What John said, all the Jewish people around would have known exactly what he meant. He was saying, Jesus is going to bring us out of bondage and into something beautiful, out of insecurity and into security. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. I told you before that there's four New Testament Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now the first three, they have 60% of their content in common. Okay, so very, very similar. But then along comes John, the fourth Gospel in the Bible, the fourth Gospel written. And 90% of the Gospel of John is unique. And so we talked about before that I think God's plan was to inspire John to fill in the blanks that you and I needed to have filled in. Now, I mention all that because he's alluding to the baptism of Jesus here, but he doesn't really get into any of the details. Like, if you read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's an incredible story. Like, Jesus shows up at the Jordan River and says to John, you need to baptize me, and John's like, no, 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 no. You need to baptize me. I'm not baptizing you. And, and Jesus looks at John and says, I came to save the world to inspire the world, and also as an example for the world. So baptize me, and John does. When Jesus is getting baptized, God the Father speaks from heaven. He said, that's my son. I'm pleased with him. I love him. Incidentally, when God spoke those words, that was before Jesus had performed one single miracle, preached one single sermon. That's my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. John the Baptist doesn't mention any of that. Or sorry, John the disciple in his gospel doesn't mention any of that. He just talks about the Holy Spirit. And I think that's really, really important in a passage all about finding our security in Jesus. Because here's the truth. <laughs> it's kind of funny that I'm up here preaching to you about insecurity. I battled with this my entire life. 
And it's funny because as I was preparing for today, I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm the guy to get up here and preach this particular message. You know, midway through the week, last week, I was in a Bible study with a bunch of amazing leaders, incredible people, men and women. And at the end of the Bible study, somebody said, hey, why don't we just go around to everybody and just talk about one thing that you're struggling with right now that we could pray about for you. And so we went around the group. All these amazing men and women, all these incredible people, these gifted leaders, and every single one of them said insecurity. Well, they didn't say the word, but every single one of the things that they were struggling with most was around the topic of insecurity. One person talked about they struggled with body image. Another person talked about the fact that they just struggle with the fact that they just don't think they're a good leader. Another person said that they struggle with worrying so much about what other people think that they overthink everything in their mind and it's driving them crazy. Another person said that they're so frustrated with themselves, they're so disciplined in all of these areas of their life, but there's just this one area that's just defeating them and they beat themselves up every single day. And I'm watching everybody go around. One person says, man, I just want everyone to agree with me and if they don't agree with me, I just get so mad. And then the very last person to share, it's funny because he like summarized what everybody else was saying. He said this, well, if you know me, <laughs> you'll know what I'm going to say. And I didn't. So I'm thinking, I thought I knew you, but I don't know what you're going to say. And he said, if you know me, you know what I'm going to say. I just don't think I'm good enough. And it kind of hit me. I'm not sure that any of us have this pinned. It also reminded me of this. As you walk through your day-to-day life, please be kind. Please be kind. I will tell you this, every single person you meet is fighting a great battle. Please be kind. But I kept thinking about The fact that out of all the stuff to talk about in the baptism of Jesus, John the Baptist kind of keys in on the Holy Spirit. You know, that Jesus stepped into history. He lived, he died, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit. You know that in the entire Bible, the only person who was filled by the Holy Spirit before they were even born is John the Baptist. Other than Jesus, probably the most secure person who has ever lived, who stepped into human history going, here is me. So I came across this story a few months ago. I think it speaks to you. I think it speaks to me when it comes to this battle. There was a man who was asleep one night in his cabin when suddenly his room filled with light from the presence of God. The Lord told the man he had work for him to do and showed him a large rock in front of his cabin. He explained that the man was to push against the rock with all his might, which he did day after day. For many years, he toiled from sunup to sundown, pushing with all his might against this massive, unmoving rock. 
Each night the man returned to his cabin sore and worn out, feeling that his whole day had been spent in vain. Seeing that the man was getting discouraged, Satan decided to pour salt in the wound by saying to him, after all these years, and despite your best efforts, the rock hasn't budged. Why keep torturing yourself like this? You're never going to move it. These thoughts disheartened the man even more. Why am I killing myself over this, he thought. I'll just put in my time, give minimal effort, and that will be good enough. But in his wrestling, he decided to make this a matter of prayer. Lord, he said, I've labored long and hard in your service, putting all my strength to do what you have asked. Yet after all this time, I haven't even budged the rock half a millimeter. What am I doing wrong? Why am I failing? The Lord compassionately responded. My friend, my friend, when long ago I called you to serve me and you accepted, I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all your might, which you have done. Never once did I mention that I was expecting you to move it. Your task was simply to push. And now you come to me with your strength spent thinking that you have failed, but is that really true? Look at yourself. Your arms are strong, your back muscled, your hands calloused from constant pressure, and your legs have become massive and rock hard. Through opposition and resistance, you have grown much in strength, stamina, and ability. You may not have moved the rock, but remember this, your calling was to obediently push against the rock, to exercise your faith and trust in my wisdom. This you have done well, my friend. This you have done well, my friend. This you have done well, my friend. So now I'll move the rock for you. So now I'll move the rock for you. I feel like God has a message for you, first of all. You're doing better than you think you are. 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 I get it, I look back at my life and I think about times that insecurity has caused me to be religious. I look at times that insecurity has caused me to be pretentious or to hide or to be angry or divisive. But little by little, moment by moment, day by day, I've been pushing just like you. I've been pushing just like you. You're doing better than you think you are. And so I think today is the day for a lot of us, we're gonna see that rock moved. And we step in to tomorrow, we step into this world, we step into our purpose like this. Here's me. Created by God, nothing to prove to anybody. Living my life for an audience of one. Let's pray. So be, before I pray, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I just want to ask a simple question. 
would you, if you were completely honest here today, say, man, I've been struggling with this. I've been struggling with my sense of self. I've been struggling with my sense of worth, my sense of value, my sense of identity. I wanna tell you what the first step is. The first step is to accept what Jesus has already done for you. You know that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus for you? And you're so valuable, your worth is so great that Jesus died for you so that you can move past your past and he rose again for you so that you could step into today, step into tomorrow, step into your future, step into eternity with absolute security and confidence. Everything that needed to be done for your security to be in Jesus has already been done. So I wanna ask you right now, if today is the day that you wanna accept that free gift that Jesus has already purchased with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you wanna just raise your hand. If you're online, you can do the same thing. Raise your hand nice and high, please. That's amazing, 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 amazing. Love it. If your hand is up online or in person, you can put your hand right down right now. And I'm just gonna pray out loud while you pray silently. So Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you love me. I pray that you would give me some ability to fathom that every day, every moment of my life. So Jesus, I come to you and I thank you that you died on the cross to take away all my sin and all my shame and all my regret and all my baggage and move me past my past. I accept that gift and I thank you for it. And you rose again so that I can rise too. Strength for today, hope for tomorrow. And for all of us, Jesus, for those who did not raise their hand, for those who have been going to church for their whole lives or haven't, I do pray that your Holy Spirit would do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That your Holy Spirit would do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That you would give us a firm foundation of self, of identity, of worth, of value. That we might not be John the Baptist, but we are us. And we would walk into today to every day saying, God, you created me, so here is me. We love you, God, and we're thankful in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate. Hey, if, you, uh, if you're watching online or here in person, you just raised your ha- hand and prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love it if you could text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We just want to support you any way that we can. So I asked the band if they would close us with a song. It's a song that we already played earlier today. It's called Firm Foundation. And it's a declaration that God does for us what we could not ever do for ourselves. So, I would love it if we could, if it's possible, stay all the way to the end as the band plays this song for us and as we celebrate that truth. Why don't you stand?
Save with you. I'm gonna make 
again. Take care. Have a great Sunday and we'll see you back next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.